Hello and welcome back to the Habs Puck Drop Podcast. This is our long-format weekly podcast where we discuss the week that was and the week to come. We also give you our gambling picks and our current events, as well as announcing contest winners and anything else we can really think of. So we'll jump right in with the uh, review. We've got four games. so yeah, not a great week. Uh, That's you know, putting it lightly. <laughs> yeah, putting it lightly. So we started off February 21st, our first game against uh, Ottawa. 3-2 loss in overtime. Uh, we had a goal from Suzuki and Perry. Um, you know, that was a that was a you know, we almost had that game. It looked like we were going to break it off. We almost got those Senators. Yeah, we almost got those Senators. <laughs> I looked like we that that looked like where we were going to break off our our losing streak and kind of like get back to normal and then everything just went to shit basically. Uh, February 23rd, um, we'll recap the games more in depth after we run through and yeah, just yeah, uh, yeah. give a summary. February 23rd, we had a shootout loss against Ottawa, 5-4. We had a goal, uh, two goals from Weber, a goal from Druin, and a goal from Toffoli. February 25th was our first game of the season against Winnipeg. Uh, we took a 6-3 loss against them. We had two goals from Armia uh, and a goal from Tatar, which was nice to see. And then most recently, uh, the one I ammer. February 27th, 2-1 overtime loss against Winnipeg, where we saw our uh, famous overtime lines come out and shine again. Uh, that game, we had one goal, and it was kind of just a nasty goal from Suzuki from uh, in the trapezoid. So let's jump into the February 21st game. First game, uh, you know, coming back against Ottawa with 2 nothing. We we're 0-2 in the series so far. Or was it 0-3? It was uh, 0-2. I think we were 0-2 at yeah. that time. So, you know, we were really looking for a win, especially coming out of, uh, you know, probably the w- worst February we've had in Habs yeah. history. <laughs> no, honestly. But, uh, I mean, if it translates to November, it would make sense. Yeah, it does. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah. I mean, I don't know why, but it's just the weirdest thing. But yeah, looking at that, you know, we, we came out early. Suzuki scored, I think, about a minute into the game, which is very typical, I find, this year, the Canadians um that was assisted by anderson uh you know and then basically drake batherson answered i think halfway through the period and then everything went dead for the whole game up until you know in the last i guess well no the uh, second period there wasn't much scoring but the third period Ottawa scored early and then we answered with about five minutes left in the game it was Corey perry scoring that uh, really nice goal that he got from jeff petrie but then again we go to overtime and we just we can't put out guys that will perform. Yeah. If I remember Brady Kachuk's goal, he just you know, he had so much time. He pivoted out from in front of the net. He was in the slot. He tied his skates. He yeah. they he waited for his team to change lines. Like we, we just don't attack the puck carrier. Yeah. And That's it's... you see that in our penalty kill, you see that in our five on five defending, and you see it in overtime. We just we let guys just stand there. Yeah, and it's and that's not what we did early on in the season. Early on in the season we were attacking the puck carrier, we were following through with every hit. Uh, you know, saw a bit more of that last night against Winnipeg, but definitely during that Ottawa game, very little aggression and you know what's tough with that game is you know when we go to overtime, we're basically screwed. So, like, listen, there's there's room to, to you know, explain, you know, Deno, Byron, Deno, Armia, those guys against, a, you know, a line, uh, an overtime line against, like, Tampa Bay where you want to get rid of that super-powered first, uh, first pair of, like, I don't know, like, Point, Kucherov, and Hedman. Mm-hmm. Just defend it and then put out your best guys against, you know, a little bit weaker uh, top... Uh, their their sec, their weaker second overtime line, uh, and you know that might work against a team like uh, Edmonton too because once that you know McDavid Drysital drops off, then like they're really really, we could really take advantage of that with like a Suzuki Anderson, but against an Ottawa like what are we doing with that? I, I like who are we say, who are we holding out against? I would also say like the, the discrepancy between our lines. And also the discrepancy against, like, yeah, like you said, a McDavid and everything. It, you might not be able to get through that first line. Like, exactly. you can't go into it with the assumption that, like, you're going to weather the storm for a minute and a half, and then the game starts. It's like, no, the, the minute the puck drops yeah. in overtime, it's sudden death. That's why you see, uh, you know, Vancouver puts out Pedersen. Then you get Calgary putting out Kachuk. You've got Ottawa putting out the other Kachuk. You've got and Stutzel and everything. These guys aren't even the best players on their team yet. And they're being put out there because they know they're going to be and they're close to it but like 
they're putting out the guys who are going to score goals. Yeah. Like, it's not about... Well, yeah, you need to score. And I mean, I, I actually I take it back with Ottawa. Kachuk is their best player. Yeah. But, you know, you seeing McDavid go out, you see Matthews go out, because if we're being honest, if it was a defensive-minded thing, like, you wouldn't see guys like Mitch Marner on overtime. Yeah, and that, you know, that's the thing. It's like, you know, I, I, I generally agree that, you know, the overtime lines have been terrible. But again, I, I, I would... I would potentially agree with the, let's say, McDavid, Dreisaitl, and, like, uh, Nurse go out. Mm-hmm. Okay? Like, what I would potentially do is do an army of Deno and, like, Edmondson, wait out, like, 20 seconds, and then switch up really quickly while they're a bit more fatigued, just because I'd be a little bit nervous having, like, a Suzuki, Gallagher, Petrie out there. But for the most part, we're not playing those teams. Like, we're not playing... Edmonton and Toronto right now okay we're playing Ottawa's we're playing Winnipeg which Winnipeg is just much more on par with us like they don't have like a I mean obviously Shifley Wheeler like these guys are you know all-stars but they're not up to that like McDavid caliber or math even Matthews caliber so it's like you know there's nothing to really weather like we we need to like just push forward and and you know having that strategy against the Senators yeah I also that's just unforgivable that's just one thing for me I'm so not into that style i think like you have to treat the first shift like it's the last shift i just like i really like i understand the logic and i i know there's more to it but i think your your first line should be the line that you're saying like okay this is the only chance we're getting it's like when you put someone out in a shootout which we'll get into where you're like assuming you'll have three shooters you might only have two so like don't get i I don't think you should get like not even experimental but i just don't think you should be so conservative with the lines that it's like the first one is essentially like burning a card playing poker. It's like you're you're going in with that mentality and the players are going in with that mentality and it shows. Yeah. Because they, they basically are going on to get off. Yeah. Like I said, the only time I, I would really condone it is against a math, uh, against a uh, McDavid, against like a McKinnon where like realistically if we put out, you know, a Kotkaniemi, if we put out a Suzuki, if we put out a Gallagher, like they'll just burn us in the, in the right. first 10 seconds and they'll, they'll get a great opportunity. Whereas... With Dano, the only time I've played Dano in overtime is if we're playing like a, a McDavid. A top-heavy team, yeah, Because it makes sense. he could w- potentially win the face-off. What he does is he passes it back to Edmondson. He gets off. <laughs> they get to the red line, they dump it down, and they get off, and then we get our good guys on. Suzuki doesn't have to take the face-off with his 38% yeah. face-off win, and well, then we're also go. already in their zone. Well, that's exactly I But think against the... Kachuk, and like, who was it? I, was I think it was probably Norris. It was like Norris, Kachuk, like, you know, like... We... No, I know, and, and I think the... the healthy medium there and where i would think would be the smartest is you get two guys out there let's say you're gonna go with your your ideal line is suzuki anderson petrie let's say you put out suzuki and petrie and then you put out like you said deno and he's only taking the face off yeah that's the exactly se- point, it's, yeah. I, I completely agree with that i just don't think he should be like actually an overtime guy because he's not, that's not his like yeah. niche at and, all. And that that specific example I'm using that would probably apply to like four teams in the NHL. Yeah, you know what I mean. And like we're playing it like the, it clearly works with us with Edmonton. It clearly worked with us last year with Tampa Bay. Mm-hmm. We just slaughtered them in OT uh, with that conservative uh, first line there. But you can't extrapolate that to every team. Like th- there's nothing to weather with this team. Like Ottawa, like there's nothing to weather with no. like Kachuk's a great player but like you know we we can match him in almost our top nine well exactly so it's and like in in terms of like skill like top end skill i mean like and you know it's worth mentioning he's not gonna too. burn armia he's not gonna no, burn he's, he's not Gallagher, burning anyone. he's not gonna burn druin he's not you know so like it's, it's also worth mentioning like jake this. allen was a 923 yeah no, he played well where it, it the goalies aren't losing us games no. okay like price could play a bit better and he came out and spoke to the media about it, about how basically he's trying to do too much. Yeah. And I can see it in him too. I mean, like, I could see the frustration. I could see the equipment changes all the time. And, uh, you know, I think it's going to be good with Ducharme that, you know, I, I, I think they both, Allen and Price, really didn't like the schedule they had going. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it wasn't, apparently it wasn't Bergemay's idea. It was Claude Julien's idea. And uh, it just really wasn't working out. And it was like we were saying early on in the season. It's like it's not giving him time to get in the groove. And yeah. Allen too. Like Allen looks shaky as hell at the beginning of the season. Yeah. And like he looked, you know, just uncomfortable. And it's because Allen could go like ten days without playing. Yeah. And then Price could go like have a bad game, be ready to bounce back, and be like, oh, sorry, gotta wait a week. Yeah. There you go. 
but uh, no, it's very frustrating. Let's move on to the uh, next Ottawa game where we went to overtime again and lost in shootout. Okay? Which I always find funny because every time I see shootout loss, SOL, I'm like, shit out of luck. Yeah. <laughs> and just... again, like, you know, 5-4 loss, okay, wasn't Price's best game. But again, okay, like, we shouldn't be losing this team in, in shootout. And the matter of the fact is, is that we didn't score a goal in shootout. No, and who went out? We started with, this is what I was alluding yeah. to earlier, Corey Perry was the first shooter. Yeah. Jonathan Drew was the second. You'll never see me argue against Drew in the shootout. No. I think he's got, like, top quality stick handling ability, and he knows he's a shootout guy. But, like, why is Corey Perry out there? I don't understand. It's not no. even, like, one of those things where, like, Corey Perry had, like, a four-goal night, like, with paling, where you're just riding the weight, like, yeah. the high. It's, like... You're, you're putting him out there for no reason. Yeah, it's like, look, Perry's a talented guy, but and I agree, like, in the shootout, I'd eventually get to him. But yeah. in your top three, but that, are you crazy? Exactly, like, yeah, like, no. Like, your first, like, the way you should be doing this, and, like, obviously, like, they, they all, you know, they're good, but, like, they practice it and everything. But in my opinion, like, the way you should be doing it is just, like, who finds the puck in the net the most? Drew, just, my top three, I think, would just consistently be... Drew and Suzuki army. Drew and Suzuki army. Yeah, I would those even have Toffoli and Tatar oh, maybe ahead too, yeah. because those guys just like they, you know, Tatar has some like unbelievable hands. Yeah. See, we have for the shootout. See, and that's my point is like Armia just always impresses me with his stick handling and he's extremely underrated uh, in in terms of his ability to, to perform in shootouts. But again, like we have, you know, we have Toffoli up there, we yeah. have Anderson up there. So, like, where are these Perrys coming from? Like, no, I, where I are know. these Byrons coming from? I know. Like, I, I, I it's understand. very frustrating. Like, I understand, like, yeah, I'd eventually get to Byron, but, like, not in my top five. Yeah, I'd eventually get to Lekkanen, too, yeah. who probably has an equal amount of chance it's of almost, scoring as I, Perry. I got the vibe, and I was speaking about this during the Between the Whistles, too. It's that I feel like he's almost, and by him I mean Claude Julien, he was almost trying to be almost completely random so that... I don't know who, but someone who he was looking for his approval would basically be like, I don't understand this so much that I must be missing something right. and he must just be on another level. Exactly. Because it's like, why the hell are you putting Paul Byron out there? Well, like, that's it. I and don't understand. I mean, there's that. And there's also the fact that like, I, it wouldn't sh like shock me if basically Claude Julian made like uh, basically a shootout list the night, like the night before, if we go to a shootout, here's who I'm going to put out and just like, don't like address the game. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. he just kind of has, like, a bit of a rigidity to him. Yeah. But, you know, anyway, I think like, that was the game where we basically got uh, got screwed with that Gallagher. Yeah, that was the Gallagher no-goal, which, like, absolutely everyone, you know, not just Habs fans, just absolutely everyone agreed that was a not-goal yeah. interference. If but again, like, reset, I, you know, it just it shouldn't come down to that. Yeah, I'm, I, I agree. Like, I in a game, like, against Toronto, in a game against Winnipeg, against, you know, even a Calgary, like... That would piss me off more than more than you know it did, but the fact that you know it's against a team that we should realistically be blowing out. I was just like, you know what? If I really need this call, it's actually more embarrassing for me right now. Like I, I was embarrassed that we needed that goal that bad, and I didn't want to like start begging for it basically. And I kind of got that what? vibe from the players too. It was like I don't want to beg for this because like we should realistically be winning six nothing. Well, like, yeah, it's just they, they should be easy blowouts every single time yeah, against and, Ottawa at yeah. least. and anyway well we'll jump to, to the next two these these were these very are, yeah. frustrating because so, if you guys remember just to recap like this was the week where Jesse and I last Sunday had basically said we need at least four points and was it was four, it six, six. Yeah, we need six of the eight points okay to basically bring us back into that top three of the division we don't want to be sitting in fourth and like we're barely in fourth right now yeah we really need to be in that top three because you know well, I think we could beat Toronto in the playoffs just with our with our attitude. Mm -hmm. I don't want to go into a game that's that high yield that quickly. Like yeah. I, I, I want to save those for the second round, for the third round. Yeah. I don't want to be playing a team that's like, a like, almost on top of cup contention, like in our first round, and then just basically get our all guys beat up and emotionally drained. It's just not a good spot to be in. Yeah. So. You know, jumping into Winnipeg, this was a, this was a big game for us on in many ways. Okay, we came off two losses in in, uh, in overtime against Ottawa. Um, you know, it it well, it was actually Ducharme's first game too. Yeah. Claude Julien got fired after that second overtime uh, against after that shootout loss against Ottawa, which was our second overtime loss in a row against Ottawa. Now we're zero and four against Ottawa. So like that was basically the last draw for Mark Bergevin. Yeah, and it is worth mentioning. I mean, like we're gonna do a whole Claude Julien podcast that's gonna go up at some point this week. But, you know, a lot of people were calling for, like, 
you know, basically blaming Mark Bergevin, saying like, oh, you should have fired Claude Julien before the week off because then you could give Ducharme time to work, kind of like, oh, you were setting him up to fail. And it's like, no, Mark Bergevin came out and even said, like, I wanted to give Claude Julien the week to kind of regroup and see how this road trip would go. But losing to Ottawa both times showed, like, and, you know, with the overtime lines and everything, which we'll get into in a minute, but he just basically said there was not enough change, I guess, that was made, and that's where a big part of the decision came from. Yeah. No, definitely. And, uh, you know, I, I, well, I, I didn't think it was purely a... You know, if you go back to the Between the Whistles on the 21st, I believe, you know, I think we both agreed that this wasn't purely a coaching issue, which, yeah. like, it clearly isn't based off our last two games. It's a, um, you know, I, I think it's, like, it's very, it's multifaceted. I mean, there's definitely a coaching component in there, but, you know, not a coaching personality component. I think mm-hmm. it's it's a it's a type of play component, mostly, well, that's, that's being... That was being, you know, pushed down on them from Claude Julien, a very conservative style of hockey that, you know, we just, we don't have a Patrice Bergeron. Like, it's just not going to yeah. work. We don't have a Zidane Ochara. Um, you know, we don't have that, you know, Boston circa whatever it was that... Uh, 2011. 2011, 2010, 2011, yeah. So it's, uh, you know, we, we mean, just don't have that. And, you know, we're, we're a very good team and we're very deep, but we have different reasons why we can be successful it's a different profile this team and i think the big thing too with it was just the fact that like it wasn't solely and i think we even said this on the podcast but it wasn't solely a coaching issue but it was a bit of a trickle down Mm -hmm. from that and not that it's like the pure source but i think that was basically one of the big veins that were bleeding essentially and like that's the first way to stop i think you know we're a very new age team with a very old age coach and um you know, I think it was just not, it just wasn't, you know, Claude Julien is a, obviously a fantastic coach. I mean, he's one of the best, he's going to be a Hall of Famer, basically. But, yeah. um, you know, I, I I could see many teams that could use him, you know, with that style of play. Uh, it's just, it's not, you know, many teams on the uh, East Coast right now. With the amount of veterans, be on the lookout to see Seattle pick him oh, up. Oh, yeah, if, for sure. If, other names are off the board at that point yeah and it's um yeah so going back to that winnipeg game february 25th first game for ducharme um you know another rough one i mean it, it realistically they had one practice uh to shift around the the the, the, the uh, playbook and realistically like when you watch that game the playbook didn't really change it i mean there, there was small there was small differences i mean you could tell the aggressivity went up a little bit but well, i think the lines that was, got switched back and yeah the it. lines got switched back to um you know quasi normal and then um you know the aggressivity went up a little bit but i think that was more due to the, the guys being a little bit more hyped up from uh you know the, the coaching switch and uh basically like the uh, oh fuck Yeah, like the kind of the cold water. Yeah, so... But I think it's important mentioning, too, we lost 6-3, but we were leading 3-1. We let in five goals unanswered. It reminded me of that game last year against Toronto where we were up 3-0 and then we lost 6-3. Remember that? Where uh, Kapanen did the wink. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's ridiculous because, like, I mean, if you also look, like, you know, Carey Price didn't play great at all. He was an 8-28 and yeah and the thing is though hellebuck was an 857 you need to capitalize on those games yeah we just we for some reason we're just always on the bad end of 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 bad goaltending and like you know both teams had equally bad goaltending but for some reason the other team got you know three more in and um you know that that was a game where you know you go back to the between the whistles it was clear that like yeah we were getting pucks on hellebuck but they just weren't quality chances. Like no. we were, we couldn't get into their zone again. It was driving me nuts. Our breakout looked sloppy, and the, you know I wasn't expecting miracles. Obviously, like I said, one practice between the, the coaching switch, but you know the breakout. Like I don't have much more to say on it. Like I, it's just completely broken. Like I well, have I no idea why what the hell can't. is going on. Like there. we're touted as one of these teams we with can't. like such good like like offensively minded defensemen that know how to move the puck if you look it's at like it they though, can't get out of their own zone if you look at it though and i obviously know you do because like you're as into this as i am and i rewatched the i basically rewatched the game the next morning <laughs> and like it's always the petrie edmondson line they can't I get know. out okay like one thing weber i always joke around with because he's like you know he's big mountain man on our, yeah. on our top but <laughs> the pete the uh, weber charot line always breaks out yeah they're always fine kulak Kulak is is usually perfect. Um, you know, there's a bit of you know a bit of communication issue sometimes with Romanov there, and especially when Mete's on. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, but for the most part, I don't they're think we're okay. gonna see him again this season. Yeah, yeah, I don't think so. Either. Think but for the most part, the Kulak, cool. I'll just say Kulak. But you know, for the most part, that line's okay, and mm-hmm. and you know they don't really play much, so it doesn't really matter. But I specifically notice, uh, you know, not to single in on Jeff Petrie, but Edmondson's usually okay too. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I mean, it seems like it's really Petrie struggling to get the puck out. You know, he either fires it right into the the guy on the blue line, or uh, you know he. He he passes the puck to the winger with almost like the strength of a four year old. Well, that's it. It's either I find it's either way too weak, or it's up or the it's middle. Icing. Yeah. And he or he puts it up the middle. Yeah. I don't understand what he's been doing recently of like trying to hit the centerman in stride. Yeah, it's like they teach you that when you're like seven years old, six years old. Yeah. Being like, don't pass it up the middle. Someone's going to pick it off and be in front yeah, of your we, goalie. Yeah, we slot pass in our zone. Like, it's just nobody's business. Like, yeah. I, I notice it specifically with Suzuki. Yeah. And specifically with Kotkaniemi, which that's obviously like a, you know, being young and, and, and stupid kind yeah. of thing. No, honestly. But I notice it with them big time. Um, and, you know, it's unfortunate because, you know, I don't think anyone's going to disagree. This isn't Price's best year. Okay, but if you actually, like, Stu Cowan did it, and he went through every single goal Carey Price has let in, okay, like, it's, we're not in that, we're not in as big of an issue as we think we are, okay? Yeah. Like, a lot of these goals are, like, Dano passes it right in front of him in, in the slot, and, like, Matthews is there. Yeah. You know I mean, it's just, like... Or, like, a two-on-one that gets, like, no help. Well, it was like I was joking yesterday with, like, uh, who's, who was the goal? I think, I forget what it was on Winnipeg, but... Basically, there was like a quintuple screen in front of Allen, and I was like, "Oh, Ehlers." Yeah, I was like, "Oh, that's a goal against Allen." Yeah, exactly. You know I mean, that, it's that's like a it's, it's one on of those him. things. It's just it's so stupid, yeah. and like, you know, it gets into their head too when we can't produce. Like you, you'll see, you look at Allen, you look at Price, and the games where we're scoring three plus goals, they look confident in net because they know that they can take the risks. Price looks comfortable coming out of the net to play the puck, and yeah. that's when we get those crazy odd man rushes. If you look at it when we're when Price is confident, okay. And he's a very emotional guy for a guy that doesn't show his emotions. It, it's clear. Okay? Yeah. Like, he, he just suppresses them. Because when we're unable to score, he doesn't play the puck as much behind the net. And him playing that puck behind the net adds on, like, $4 million to his contract. Because what ends up happening is he passes it up the boards. And we always get odd man rushes, especially on the pe- penalty kill. Well, I'd say you have six guys When was our ice. last shorthanded goal? Okay, it's because Price isn't confident. He would pass it up to Lekin, and he would pass it up to Byron, pass it up to Evans, and it's not happening right now because we can't score, and he's worried to let in goals. And what that what happens with that is he ends up being an eight eighteen. Well, that's it. It also it it reflects back from the defensive play, right? So like we're getting on him, he has to play deep in his net, and then what ends up happening is he's going back and back and back into his net, and our defense is closing in on him like a like an umbrella. Our, our penalty kill. Where we're like, essentially, we're all just standing along the perimeter yeah. of the crease, and he's like, what do you want him to do at that yeah. point? He's just trying to fill the net. Yeah, it's just, then it's but just, like, you just see cross-crease passes, Matthews, Marner, yeah, Matthews, and, and Marner. and forget Matthews and Marner. If I take, like, the worst player in the NHL, I guarantee you they can hit any part of the net they want. Yeah, and my point here is, is I, I, I understand nobody on the Habs is playing well right now, okay, including Price. But my point is, is that if we had Connor Hellebuck, with the way that we're defending right now, it'd be the same thing. Price is an eight nine five, I think, right now. I think Hellebuck would maybe be like a nine oh three, nine oh five. Yeah, like at the where very it, most. It's not. It's not a huge, huge, huge difference. And you know, whoever says it is, like, isn't watching the Habs. No. Like, it's just the defense is just so goddamn bad, and it's so bad for such a good decor. Well, that's it. I think it's the. That, that's what I mean. I think it's the defensive plays that are the issue because you know it's little things like you just you it's just, on the stat sheet too like you said with petrie well that's it it's it's just with like just give up scenarios he, well yeah he's the number one uh defensive zone turnovers in the in the nhl yeah and it's like you just can't have that it's also it's just little decisions like don't play jeff petrie on the penalty kill i don't, I don't care understand i just I, like i understand it's probably because weber's in the box but no he plays the second pair if i have to pick four of the six d-men it's not Petrie. I would take out Romanov and Petrie. If yeah, I'd take yeah, and I you know I don't know. Why. I might even play Romanov on the penalty. I don't kill. know why Kulak isn't on the penalty kill. Well, that's it. Okay, like one, he's he's better defensively than Petrie, like bar none, like definitely yeah. he's better defensively, and then also he's not Petrie's huge. Okay, so at least Kulak won't screen Price or Allen. Yeah. Okay, so that's an extra, especially if we're all just gonna collapse along the the crease anyway. At least not have a guy who's six three there. 
No, exactly. Yeah. It just doesn't make sense. But honestly, but I, I really don't get him on the penalty. I just, I don't understand certain coaching decisions as a whole. And obviously, it's because we're outside of the organization. But there's certain things that just like I feel like common sense dictates. Like we were saying, you wouldn't play. Actually, it was I was laughing to myself. I realized like after the game, we say you wouldn't play three wingers on a line, and then the fourth line was uh, Lekin and Byron Perry one yeah. night. I was like, oh well, maybe not. Yeah. But no, like I just there's certain things that just like you wouldn't do. Like I wouldn't have, you know, Quinn Hughes on penalty kill, mm-hmm. and it's because he's an offensive defenseman. If you look at Jeff Petrie, he's just a tall Quinn Hughes. They have yeah. almost the same points. Yeah, they have almost the same play style. He doesn't. Obviously, Petrie has the benefit of, like you said, being a big dude and everything. But, like, the idea is just, like, he doesn't play that well because he doesn't clear the net. Yeah, he doesn't. And he doesn't, like, he doesn't use that frame that way. He uses it offensively, almost like a power forward would. But he's not a defensive presence like that. And so... And he's he's so valuable, but goddamn, is he bad in Well, he could win the Norris if he just plays, like, if he stays in his lane. Yeah, it's, yeah, he's got a, and you know, part of that is coaching, you know, like you said, it's like, we can't put him in that position, like, he can't play the minutes he's playing, and then you, you know, you break that down, it's, you know, five on five play, then the guy's on, you know, he's running the power play, which he should. And then, you know, then you throw him on the penalty kill. It's like, what's what's Jeff Petrie doing on the penalty kill? Okay, give some of those minutes to Kulak or Romanov or mm-hmm. something, okay? Because, you know, Kulak is great defensively, okay? Like, he doesn't have a lot of offensive upside, but he knows what to do in his own. And he's a good example of a guy that stays in his lane. He knows what he does right. You know, he knows that he's not super talented down low. So every time you see him bring it into the offensive zone, you know, he lets it go to get back to his post. That's a guy that you can count on on the penalty kill. Or just so even, if Weber's not available, you throw Kulak on yeah. his offhand. It's fine. Yeah, or just even like I'm, I'm thinking about now. We probably have more defensive forwards than we have defensively minded defensemen on the team. Go three and one. Yeah. Imagine if your penalty kill, you come out, and you've got Lekin and Dano Armia yeah. and Edmondson in the back. That'd be perfectly fine. And you can play it like a mushroom. Yeah. Like, you'd be fine. Yeah. Have Byron and Lekin on the sides. Keep yeah. Armia up the middle. And Byron and Lekin will pressure those D like crazy. Exactly. It'll be fine. Like just It's just little things. Just, if you're, that's what I mean. It's like, if you're going to get experimental, get experimental. Like, don't go as far as, like, in the preseason when the Leafs were, like, two forwards three defensemen yeah it's like no that's stupid yeah. but like three forwards one d for the penalty kill when someone like weber's in the box makes perfect sense because yeah. all you have is that one defenseman clearing the net and then you got the other three forwards who are essentially just gonna pivot around like essentially like and a we have shield. enough and then like when one of those guys needs a break we have evans well that's on. the thing you have dano and you have Toffoli, suzuki even. you have Toffoli, you have evans you have armia you have lekin and you have yeah, byron so like, that's, the thing. that's there's already no more. excuse there's no excuse no. having petrie on there that would be like the equivalent of having brendan gallagher on our penalty kill well, like exactly. there's just no reason to do that and, I find and, and then saying brendan gallagher's not a good player yeah and then it over fatigues him then his five on five play suffers and yeah. you know it's you know we can't have petrie's five on five play suffer because then he ends up you know because he's someone bullshit. who really needs to feel confident in himself He's his own worst like issue basically, because yeah. he was he second guesses everything he yeah, does. Yeah, and you know when you play that kind those kind of minutes and those kind of pressure minutes, you know it's it's tough and like you know you start to see him take these bad penalties like we did last night, you yeah. know against against Winnipeg where like this trip was like he literally pulled the rug under the guy. Well, yeah, it was like what the hell are you doing? But it's because he's tired. Like he you know you're overworking him and you're putting him in positions where he's just he's not cut out for the penalty kill. Like, no. He's just not cut out. for That's it. just not his skill set. No, and it's fine, but yeah. you know you gotta. I hope Ducharme sees that, but you know I was really pissed off no last one, night. Yeah, I could barely I, sleep when I saw that goddamn overtime and, lines. And no one blames players for not being all around guys, because if you look at someone like uh, Ovechkin, he doesn't play the penalty kill. No, it's not his skill set. He'd no one, suck on the penalty yeah, kill. Yeah, he would not be just a like Gallagher, player. even locally. Let's go exactly. locally. Gallagher yeah. would be absolutely atrocious on the exactly penalty kill. in the same way that let's say like Gallagher would be atrocious on the power play. Yeah, no, <laughs> like, okay, he's a five on five guy. Yeah, and that's where his money is, and like that's not a that's not an insult because you play the vast majority of the game five on five. Okay, like yeah. he sucks at special teams. Brendan Gallagher sucks at special teams. That's not you know. I didn't bring up general relativity here. Yeah, no, like honestly. That um, doesn't take Einstein to realize that players have niches, and Petrie's niche is not the penalty kill. No, it's the rest of the game. Yeah, <laughs> so hopefully, you know, Burroughs and Ducharme figure that out quickly because, you know, while you're, I'm tempted to give Ducharme the benefit of the doubt, you know, going back to those overtime lines, you can't, you can't forget that 
Ducharme's been present for the mistake. Well, that's it. He wasn't like he was coming in new, and that's no. why I was saying like we can't give him as much of a pass as we would. It, it's it's not like Joel Bouchard came in. Well, that's the you know thing. I mean, it's it's different because he he's been present here for years well, to see it. the mistakes, and, it's also and he like, knows exactly why Claude Julien was fired. Well, well, that's it. And I was gonna say in the same light that it's a strength that basically he's been around, so he doesn't have that new guy kind of burden. He also has a burden the fact that he's not a new guy. He knows yeah. what doesn't work and what what works and what the vibe of the locker room already is. He doesn't have to take the time to learn that, and so he's. Like, he's got to kind of understand that that's also part of his evaluation. You know, he's interim head coach, and I don't think he's going to be let go this year regardless. If we don't lose, an, if we don't win another game, he's going to coach this team through. And then come next season, we're going to see if he's Yeah, I, I think basically he's here contingent on us making the playoffs. If we make the playoffs and we're a first-round exit, I think there's a 50-50 chance he's going. Yeah. If we get through the first round, he's definitely staying. He's staying. That's yeah. it. But if we miss the playoffs, 100% is gone. gone. It's yeah. exactly. So let's jump in. Or would you keep him as head assistant? I don't think he would accept that. I don't think no, he would take a demotion like that. I mean, maybe. It, it depends on his character and also his like uh, his will there. But, you know, a big thing for him is that he said, like, he he didn't take the, like, standard way to get to a head coaching position, but that was always his, his goal. That's what he said in his yeah, interview, I, basically. I, I don't know if I could be offer this because then you know you'll get other teams that offer him positions and like if he's willing you know if it's something like that I'd be like very happy to have him come back as an associate if it doesn't work out yeah but I just I don't know that'd be very very difficult from like a competitor standpoint being yeah. just like you did this job for a little and now we're gonna basically push it back down now that we're done with you yeah I yeah I agree but you know it's uh. It's Never tough to see that. the same mistakes repeated. I just you, I, I, I watched the, the uh, practices where he's talking to the guys like at center ice, and like you could see the intensity on him and how much he wants to change. Yeah. I just hope that what he wants to change isn't in Claude Julien's image. Right. And it's. I hope it, there wasn't like too much of uh, you know, forming of opinions over those few years that you know kind of clouds what needs to be yeah, changed. Yeah, like he came in, he's like, "Look, Claude put out Dano and Armia on the on the overtime. That's not how I roll. I'm gonna put out Armia and Dano." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's yeah. like, well, oh, yeah. Anyway, we'll jump into. The... I, I want him to basically express his own opinions yeah. and not just. Mirror well, I want to see Julian's something different because he has to realize that's you know obviously why Claude Julien was fired, but yeah. So we'll jump into the pre uh, the preview. Um, uh, did we go over the second Winnipeg game? I thought I don't we think did. we did. Oh, no, we so, did So, yeah, February 27th, we lost 2-1 overtime again. That was our third overtime loss that week. Uh, we've been kind of touching base on uh, on that game throughout, but, um, you know... Uh, wait, didn't we? I could have sworn we, we did. I could have <laughs> sworn we did, yeah. I'm going over it ahead because I saw Suzuki, but... Yeah. Yeah, it's just we touched on it so many times. Yeah, I know, because it was the same shit again, different day this whole week. Yeah, just to reiterate it again, it, you know, our, our breakout that game looked a little bit better. It looked At like times. they it looked like they had a few more practices under their belt, which mm -hmm. like just time wise they did. But again, that Petrie line really struggling to break out and you know, the goal wasn't like a like a goal. You know yeah, I mean? like it was I'll take it. It doesn't like I'll, I'm never gonna say like uh, I only want pretty goals, but it just, again, it wasn't like a goal that we were seeing at the beginning of the season where yeah. there's so much pressure that eventually just goes in. and that's, Yeah, where you don't have to worry about the next one. That's what we're trying to get back to is we're trying to get back to that ag aggression and that forecheck that we had at the beginning of the season. And, you know, I think, it, like, again, it starts with the with the uh, breakout. But, yeah. yeah, let's go to the preview. So, so uh, I mean, not yeah. going to be too different this week. We've got three games. We play Ottawa once and Winnipeg twice, March 2nd, 4th, and 6th. Um Oh, just going back to that to that uh, first Ottawa game. What the hell is with us and Matt Murray? He's right. a nine thirty. Yeah, I don't know. I, He's I a nine thirty. The guy's like a what is he on the season? Like mid eights. Yeah, something like that. I yeah. don't. I don't understand. It's a personal. I, I. I also think it's because the Habs are one of the highest shooting teams, but I don't think we take high danger chances, so we end up inflating goalies a lot. Okay, but either That's way, just like my, it's relevant I, yeah. because March second we're playing Ottawa again, and like. If we go zero and five against I, it's Ottawa, impossible. it's just impossible. <laughs> like not even from a a like like personal like Habs team, but I there's just no way you can lose every single game to a team. I know. Like I just, there's I, just no way. I I can't imagine. I, ref you know, I just refuse to believe we're gonna lose this game. We have a few days of practice to hopefully figure out the Senators. Yeah. <laughs> but you know I I think it's clear what's wrong when we play them. 
uh, our energy is basically half theirs. Yeah, and we also we have to be able to shut down elite centerman Derek Stepan. Yeah, <laughs> it's uh, it's crazy, but anyway, that game. Um, you know, I it, it's tough saying it week after week. You're gonna but say like, it's a must win, aren't these you? These are yeah, it's a must win. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I've been saying this since basically February second when this yeah. all this started. But you know, looking at the standings now. You know, we're in fourth place. Winnipeg has the same amount of games as us. They're in third place. They're three points ahead. Yeah. Um, you know, we got Vancouver, and, you know, Vancouver's right on our ass, believe it or not. Um, where is Calgary in this? Calgary's fifth, I think. Yeah, right? I'm gonna okay, look. so Calgary's even closer. Uh, a little skewed there with the games played, but, you know, we're, we're a ways off where we were. You know, Toronto's sitting at 34 points now. I think we're at 22 yeah, so we're at 23 points in fourth place. Uh, Calgary's at 22 points in fifth, fifth place. But they've played 22 games. We've only played 20. So there's yeah. at least two games in hand there. Um, Vancouver's at 18 and Ottawa's at 15. But if you think about that... Like we're, Ottawa, who's a, we're Winnipeg's 25, right? 27. They're four oh. points ahead of us with the same amount of games played. Edmonton's so at wins. 28. And then Toronto's at 34. Oh god. So like we're we're slowly kind of narrowing in on that like middle tier and like it's not good that this is happening now because this is like this is getting to that point of no return style where it's like we're hitting that area. Well just put this in perspective, okay? Ottawa has eight of their fifteen points against us. Well I know. It's just it's That's ridiculous. what I mean. It's, it's like we're hitting that point of no return area where they've played like twenty like, games. Exactly. Like you can't start making up these games because at a certain point it's just gonna run away. Yeah. Because if you you know if we play, we're like, getting onto the halfway point. Well, now. that's it, and we only have gonna we're only gonna have games against certain teams left because you know we loaded up let's say against let's Ottawa right now. We'll played them four or five times before the halfway point, and then it's like oh okay, but you didn't play Calgary and you didn't play Toronto a bunch, so like. You have to beat them over and over and over again. But while you're playing them, the teams that are coming up are playing each other. So yeah. they're just going to climb up. One of them has yeah, to win. Yeah, I mean, you look at the, you know, they, they always structure this this way because of the rivalry. But, you know, our last, like, five games are against Toronto. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Like, you know, so these aren't going to, this isn't going to be an easy schedule, you know, what we're going into. And yeah. we're not going to have this, uh, you know, quote unquote, much needed week off. Like, week yeah. off from what? Everyone's doing it. I know. Okay, so, like, we need to pull it together a little bit and... You know, I, I'm, I'm done seeing these, like, goofy fucking practices with, like, the goalies rolling around and Alan take, rolling like, around and Price rolling around and Romanov, like, doing these weird little moves around Price. Like, we got to practice. Yeah. Like, we actually need to practice. So, we like, that's do... all cute. You know, it's all cute with, like, you know, Romanov chipping the puck over Price yeah. when, like, we're, you know, we're 8-0 or something. It's not really funny when we're, like... You know, two five and three in our whatever the hell it is. We gotta what do is it? Is two, pull two five and three five in our and, last ten or two something. five and three. Yeah. So it's like it's not funny. We have to uh, take to the old Mighty Ducks method. Tape Gary uh, Gary Price, <laughs> Gary Price to the goalposts and just take slap shots at him for ten minutes. Be like, let it hit you, Gary. Please let it hit you. It's like you know, it's starting to. It's just pissing. Well, it's me just off. getting to the point where the now Habs, the Habs that, like, social media tech. drives me nuts. Well, too. that's the thing because they act as though it's it, nothing's wrong. We almost have let I I've you know the it Toronto almost pains thing? me to think it's like the Toronto thing. Yeah. And just like we 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 act like we're you know like this is all just like a little thing that's gonna blow over even exactly. if like we don't correct anything. It's like no, we need to correct this because well, it's it. not gonna correct itself. This isn't. And if if it did auto correct itself, that's an even worse problem because that means that it's like a temporal attitude problem yeah that like no one knows when it's going to resurface again hopefully not like mid playoffs well that's it right it's just the basic it's the whole problem with itself is that yeah i i don't like the attitude of like you know we have the most stanley cups in history it's like it doesn't matter yeah play this year that exactly. like it's always bounced back to yeah, it's like we'll get them next time and this is you know we're a great franchise this and that just focus on this year. Yeah, it's it like, yeah, the matter. organization does. Like, yeah. you guys don't. No, exactly. So, you guys have nothing to show for. Yeah, so, you know, we ought to really clean up the attitude and, you know, humble ourselves a little bit. Yeah. Because, you know, there's obviously big issues when you have two of the top five scorers in the NHL and we're playing as bad as we are. Like, yeah. it's just pathetic. But. So, I, I don't think there's much more we can say with the review. So, we might as well jump yeah. into the gambling uh, I just... The only thing is, is March 2nd... Okay, so we have... At least there's spacing between March 2nd, March 4th, and March 6th. How are you playing the goalies here? I don't even know. I, I don't even know. Because I would want to play... 
like, I like honestly, just I think at this point, the I'm, best thing you could do is to ask the goalies, "What do yeah. you guys want to do?" Like, yeah, just I, just leave it up to thing, them. Is Carey Price is at a point in his career now where basically you can actually have him as kind of like a Tom Brady figure, where he yes. actually partially coaches the team. Yeah. Okay. Like the guy's been around enough, and he knows himself well enough. Uh, and he knows his position well enough that he can sit down with Jake Allen, you know, a few nights I'm before sure the they game. Do. And I'm sure they do, but I'm sure it was vetoed with 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 coaching yeah. and, and management before, just with how like old fashioned Claude Julien mm. is. But with a guy like Dominic Ducharme, they should really give it over to the two guys, uh, Kerry and, and Jake Allen, because they know themselves, and it's a it's a mentor and mentee relationship they have going on. Yeah, Jake Allen's not exactly like a and young you Philly. <laughs> I know, and you also you don't want you don't want animosity building between the two. No, okay? and like, I don't and think I, I don't think be, you will, but, but you can you can make it that yeah, way. Yeah, you can you can put them in a position where all of a sudden there's if anything there's resentment. Yeah, you don't want to turn you don't want it to turn into like I'm battling for starter thing exactly. because that never works out. Okay, look at it with like Leonard and Flurry. Yeah. Okay, look like at it, it like it, Allen and Binnington. Allen, Allen and Binnington. Okay, <laughs> like it doesn't work out that way, and you get you know really bad locker room. Yeah, you think there, like but... you would think that it would create like friendly competition, but it ends up just being like you're gonna take my contract away. Yeah, but I I think generally, uh, the way I would go, uh, not generally specifically, the way I would go, March second, we're going Allen. March fourth, we're going Price. March sixth, we're going Allen. That's my initial thoughts on it. I think that's what you I have think we to have do. like a must win against Ottawa, and like we can't really, uh, you know, Price has played the last few games against Ottawa, and while I think he's played okay against them, um, you know, I think it's time for Allen to see Ottawa. Like I think he's played yeah. them once in the yeah. five times we played them, and it was the uh, the, the one old, like last the, week. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I think just play him again there because he, you know, again, like it wasn't really a goaltending issue, but. Just try to mix up the schedule a little bit, and you know I'm sure they'll figure it out. But I just hope they leave it in their hands. Yeah. So jumping into our uh, betting, we went so, 0 for five last week. Yeah, 0 for five last week. Now this is, oh, this is kind of uh, two confounding factors here. Okay, one, the Habs are in such a statistically like unreal space right now yeah. that it's almost unpredictable because. You know, you go to any betting website or you run any stats on any of these, any like regression of anything here, they're so past due that like it's not even funny. I mean, yeah. like it, it's, you know, you'd almost project like 10 goals the next game, but well, obviously exactly. that doesn't work out. Exactly. But, you know, so that's confounding factor number one. Confounding factor number two is the fact that, you know, us personally as Habs fans, we just look at the schedule and like there's no way we can lose. Yeah. I mean, like we can't. We have that that variable of like us as a team cannot afford to lose, so I can't bet against them. Exactly. So we have to try to take that out. But so February twenty first, we had the over. We lost three two in overtime. And we had Fe a special bet of uh, yeah. either Gallagher or Anderson getting a hat trick, but that just didn't happen. Yeah, it didn't happen. Neither of them scored even. So yeah. So then going to February twenty third against Ottawa again, we had the under, but that was the five four shootout loss. Um, then February 25th against Winnipeg, first game against Winnipeg, we had a win, but we had a 6-3 loss. And then February 27th, last night against Winnipeg, our second game against Winnipeg, uh, we had a shutout for 31, but it was a 2-1 loss in overtime. Um, you know, and, There's uh, certain ones that are out of our hands. And Obviously, like yeah. Alan playing. Alan played, sorry. Yeah. You know, like you can't. So whatever we we just were saying, if you know, there's an asterisk there. If Carey Price plays, so you know, we'll call it over four, but um, over four plus you know one. Yeah. So it, you know, it, it is what it is. I think this week we'll be a little more conservative with her. Our yeah, I'm gonna picks. do this. We're gonna look at this objectively and like not as a uh, you know panic. We need to win, yeah. so I'm not gonna bet against the Habs kind of thing. So although, <laughs> yeah. So going, yeah. Although, although it is a must win. Like I, you know, it's hard to say it again. But, yeah. You know, so uh, going into March second, what do you think? Um, definitely gonna take the win. You say definitely. Definitely gonna take the <laughs> win. <laughs> Because it'll be another game in Ottawa. Like, yeah. it's just like, I, I, taking away the names of the teams, just Team A is playing Team B, and yeah. Team B's won four times in a row, I'm taking Team A. Yeah, my, my logic there is, and I agree with you, is basically... It's just enough. You no, know, it's more of a mathematical reasoning behind it. It's like, we're 0-5 we're, we're against like this team. like, you're killing him! It's, yeah, we're 0-5 <laughs> against this team. We can't possibly go 0-6. And, it, I mean, 
we can. Yeah. We might. <laughs> okay. But we will. I'm just, I'm just saying it, you know, you know, every player on team A being the same as every player on team B, you know, if, if every, you know, if the Montreal Canadiens were all replaced overnight with the exact replica of the Ottawa Senators. Yeah. We wouldn't lose again. Like no, it's no. hard for us to it's, lose it's again. Um, and you know what's even worse to think about? Even if we win every single game against Ottawa right now, we're still gonna have a losing record against them. I know. We'll be four and five. I know. Was that the fifth game? Was I could have sworn it was the fourth game because we played them twice this week. And then... oh, okay, so there is a chance we could go. There's five a chance. Four. There's a chance. <laughs> we yeah. could break five hundred against. But the I think Senators. you're right. But yeah, so we'll take the win, and I also want to take the over because I just think we'll just like. We'll probably score enough, but so will they. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So I'm going with the win and the over, and then while you're looking that up, March fourth is our other pick. Uh, it's the first game back against Winnipeg. Um. I gotta take the win. I like. I think once we get that that win against Ottawa, it'll kind of spark something. I think yeah, they're gonna our, really be in desperation. It's mode. our fifth game coming. Up. Okay. So yeah, then we've lost four straight. Yeah. This is the turnaround time. And I also just think, yeah, playing March 4th against Winnipeg, I think there's going to be that desperation mode. I think Winnipeg's going to take us lightly as well because they've had their way with us a little bit. And, that, yeah, those will be the three picks for the week. Just March 2nd, yeah, the win and the simple. over. And then uh, March 4th, the win. So do you want to do our new kind of power rankings first? Yeah, so... Again, like we're uncomfortable ranking six players on, on it's just, offense as like yeah, it's not know, gonna make sense going week. forward having yeah. half the team in the power. Yeah, rankings. and just the way we've been playing is making it even more difficult. I mean, even week one, week two, you know, ranking half the team as in the power rankings was just you know pretty pretty difficult to do. Yeah. But especially when we're playing badly, it's there's just no point. So instead, what we're gonna do is we're gonna have like a basically like a lineup like, yeah, a, like starting a starting lineup, lineup for the week basically. of like uh not necessarily a left wing center right wing lefty righty but just like 2d and two three do, forwards yeah 2d and, and three forwards and kind of just make a line out of that just to kind of yeah. make things a little bit more uh honed in just yeah, because just when like you the name five half the, the team week. yeah when you name half the team it doesn't really mean anything so um i'll go forwards you go defenseman sure Okay, so forwards, we have Thomas Tatar. I'll name them first, then we'll explain. So we have Thomas Tatar, we have Nick Suzuki, and we have Yoel Armia. So Tatar was, you know, obviously on the sharp end of Claude Julien's uh, wrath at the end of his time here in Montreal. You know, I think that was one of the deciding factors for Mark Bergevin was when, um, you know, Claude scratched uh, Tatar. Mm -hmm. um, it kind of seemed to be out of nowhere. Like, Tatar was having a... Not even a like he he's he's stats wise on par for what he's supposed to do right and yeah. like you know he was clearly having a, a weak few games but like this was you know during the time where the entire team was shit okay like oh, everyone exactly. was playing like shit so for him to single out Tatar like it just seemed a little weird um, you know the whole line wasn't producing well uh, the whole line is in um, Tatar Dano Gallagher. And it just seemed like a random punishment, like just to make a, an example of him. And, you know, that doesn't work when it's, you know, you're like your uh, point leader last year. Like it just, it's just odd. And especially for a guy who has that much heart and, you know, plays that hard every game. Thomas Tatar is never not working. Um, and then with Lekkonen too, like it's just, it's odd. Like he picked out the guys that are like the, the biggest hustlers on the team. But, well, that's it. And like know, Tatar's Tatar... on pace for about 45 points, which is obviously a regression from his But it, it's also, it's also not accurate because of the, the way exactly. we've been playing so like it. let's look again in 10 games exactly. let's look again in 10 games and i'm sure he'll be back to 55 60 well exactly because everyone right now like, is down he he isn't a like a, a you know 70 point guy he only became that when he got here but i think he like is. he's like i think he's no, but i'm just saying plus. on his career he he yeah. wasn't that guy and so the idea is like the fact that he's like you know gonna probably hover let's say 50 points is exactly where you'd expect him yeah, it because did. if you look right before, um, um, right before we started, you know, going into our drought here, um, we had Anderson at basically like, and not not like with a game a sample size of two games, mm -hmm. like with our first with ten like games, games played, yeah. uh, Anderson on an eighty two game se eighty two game season was on track for like one hundred and one points no, or something no, exactly. like that. Now he has, um, you know, we're looking at Anderson with. 12 points in 19 games yeah okay so like he took like a basically a like a 40 point hit well yeah okay exactly. so it's like everyone's in a slump right now yeah and um, it's also just like it's it's expected that a guy who's now in his 30s 
isn't going to be putting up point per game. Yeah, exactly. It's like you're you're expecting a regression, and it's not a massive regression. Yeah. He's still putting up, you know, like half a point per game. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's tough to see Tatar get punished like that. So, yeah, yeah just doing the math now, that puts uh, Anderson on pace this season for 53 points. It's like that's obviously not indicative of what Anderson's going to do. Yeah, exactly. Like Anderson's like producing like crazy, but we're just in a really, really dry. And a very potent year. So yeah, everything I mean, you do gets like highlighted. Yeah, it gets inflated. But then, you know, when the whole team struggles as bad as we are, you know, everyone's going to take a hit to their numbers. So, uh, like I said, Tatar's going to bounce back. And this week, you could tell like he just brought like an extra like an extra gas canister with him. Like he's just flying all over the ice, you know, and, um, you know, really finishing his checks. Uh, He got a goal against, um, against the first, in the first game against Winnipeg with Ducharme's first game, a couple assists in there and just looked like he had like, you know, just his spark back, Mm -hmm. you know, and it it looked like like it really rejuvenated because he looked like he was given a role again. He wasn't being relegated to the bottom six, he was being put back with guys he's yeah. comfortable and with. And them separating that Tatar Dano Gallagher line looked like it took such a mental toll on that on on all three of them on Dano mm-hmm. Gallagher and Tatar. Like it looked like they literally missed each other. And you know, I I I'm sure hated that decision. I hated that decision from the moment it happened. And you know, even with them being split up for a few games, they're still the best line in hockey. Yeah. Okay? So it's like I I don't understand that, but. You know, it's good to see Tatar, like, you know, took this as, uh, you know, not su- something super personally and, and just came back even stronger, even though he didn't even really deserve to be benched. Um, second guy, Suzuki. So you want to jump in this one? Yeah. I mean, obviously, just stats-wise, he had two goals in four games. Yeah, I'm he not did sure. Drive. He had a bit of a drive. Yeah, too. a couple of assists, I believe. I'm not 100% sure. But overall, you know, I just, I saw more from Suzuki in terms of his, you know, his classic Suzuki plays the smart little moves the, the passes that you know maybe you didn't even notice from a bird's eye view as a viewer just yeah. little things he was just kind of back on his game throwing his body around a little yeah so just to put into perspective like to say how it wasn't just Tatar and Anderson that we singled out um Suzuki scored on February 21st against Ottawa before then it was eight game drought well there you go so he had an eight game drought where he only had uh three assists right you and know, I mean, so the, the whole team struggled, and it's glad to see Suzuki's obviously, you know, a bit more comfortable. Yeah, and he's shooting more, which is nice. I mean, we'll we'll talk about it briefly after, but I mean, you know, Anderson getting hurt took a lot out because I think he has better chemistry with Anderson than he does with Druin, even. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, although he has chemistry with Druin, but the idea is just I think he felt a little more, like. You know, he, he did take on a bigger role this year, but I feel as though ever since we've put him in a first-line role, it's been overwhelming because he feels like he's forced to do things that he can't. You know, there were certain times where I was noticing he wasn't really in position defensively yet, or he was, you know, he's not the guy who goes to the net, obviously, because that's Anderson, but then when there wasn't Anderson on the ice, like, they had to put Toffoli in front of the net. Yeah. And it just, it broke up that that, like sink that they were in and yeah. so just i mean i'm still putting him up there because he had a great week even, even though we lost four in a row yeah i think he played well and i think he stood out i also think that you know we would have seen different outcomes had he been on the ice for the shootout how he been on the ice for the overtimes like you're, they're they're kind of you know like cast him aside a little and like he needs to be kind of like let loose a little more yeah. you know because he's a highly creative player yeah and it's uh you know, it's really nice to see, you know, Suzuki, you know, besides that drought, that's, it's a team drought, okay? Mm-hmm. Like, again, I'm reiterating, like, Tatar, um, Anderson, Suzuki, all these guys struggled over that drought. I mean, Anderson produced some goals, but, you know, clearly it was it was a team-wide thing. Like, everyone dropped off the map, and that's why we've been playing so shit. But, you know, obviously, it looks like we're, at least stats-wise, you know, moving up a little bit more. Mm-hmm. You know, people are producing again, so hopefully that translates to the team's success, but... One thing I'm really happy with Suzuki this season is, you know, Druin is like arguably the most inconsistent player on, on the Habs. He's hyper talented, um, but his inconsistency like really, really screws us sometimes. And, you know, I was worried with him and Suzuki just because, you know, it's easy to stay consistent in the bubble playoff period where, you know, everything's so condensed and, you know, you have to you know play really hard for a couple of weeks. There's not that much time for these inconsistencies to jump out, but I was worried about Druin kind of 
know, screwing with that line a little bit, especially since Suzuki and Anderson are generally very consistent. Yeah. But it looks like almost Suzuki and Anderson are like covering for Druin's inconsistency. Right. And like it, it looks like, you know, while Druin's being inconsistent, it they're bridging him over till he's productive again. Right. Because when Druin's productive, he's very productive. Well, of course, yeah. It's just he has these droughts that you need to pair him with guys that don't that don't have droughts and anderson and suzuki are those guys and it's good to see that you know suzuki's kind of embraced that and it's good that he's you know melded so well with anderson because you know they both really bring druin up Mm -hmm. you know clearly with the with the assists and the you know it's translating yeah i still think that i'd like to see druin play with caught kaniemi and army on the third and have to fully play with anderson and suzuki because the thing is you know like oh i just want to jump in here before i forget but you know, Toffoli's another guy who's just, you know, very consistent too. You know, it's like everyone was worried, like, is he only going to score against Vancouver? And he's basically proved everyone wrong, like, game after game. Um, So I'd be interested to see, you know, even if it's just for a few games, um, how Toffoli, Anderson, and Suzuki would be just because it's hyper, everyone there is consistent. Well, there's that, and it's also the fact that Druin caught Kanyemi and Armia that was the line that was producing at the highest rate last year. Yeah. Before Armia and Druin got hurt. Yeah. That was a line that they all meshed together very well. So, I mean, I, I think it'll do wonders for both. I think it's something we will see at some point. Yeah. I think, you know, even though, like I said, Suzuki and Anderson kind of bridge his, his inconsistency, I don't think we can really afford to have that on our first line. That's it. It's like there you have to weigh out the difference between, like he's gonna pull them down a little versus like he might get a little less ice time so he might be a little more potent when you have him out exactly. there exactly yeah so, use him like a cannon basically. exactly yeah, yeah essentially and so um our last forward is uh oh yeah so it's armia so armia you know coming off the concussion um obviously not playing very much perry kind of took his spot but came back and had a huge game against winnipeg even though we lost you know he had two of the three goals very army like goals too and see yeah that's a guy that's that, a goal scorer's goal too. yeah those are goal scorer's goals but also army is a guy that you can kind of contrast to druin where he's you know he's very streaky goals wise and very streaky points wise and that's a reason why i don't want to see him in the top six is mm-hmm. because we you know it's scary sometimes like if you look at druin last year with his 22 game point drought okay it's like that's scary to have in your top six because like you know, that's a lot of ice time. Well, that's it. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's better to have those guys in the bottom six. I mean, like, obviously, Druin, like, you know, Druin's a top six guy, like, realistically. Yeah. But it's, you know, if you run but three big lines. Exactly. Line it's the depth. That's line why two. It's the only team that would work on. You know, yeah. I mean, like, you'd be absolutely nuts to have Druin on your third line on any other team. But yeah. on a team that runs these lines, um, obviously, not everyone gets equal. You know, it's not no, like. but it's close. It's not like one equals two equals three, but it is par- fairly close. It's like we're talking like one we're or two minutes. like one and a half, two and a half, and three and a half. Yeah. Basically. So, like, Dano and Suzuki basically have the same amount of ice time. I mean, yeah. it kind of depends on the special teams that night. But for example, Suzuki and Kotkiniemi differ in like three, four minutes. Mm-hmm. You know, it's so like that's very, very little. So, it's not like, uh, you know, Druin's time on ice would be, you know, halved. We're talking like uh, basically the same stuff. Yeah, and so. it gets made up in special teams that they yeah. insist he runs the power play. Exactly. Um, so uh, yeah, let's jump into the D. Yeah, so I'm gonna start with the uh, more obvious pick. Uh, it's Shea Weber. I mean, he took a few penalties here and there, but you know what? He had two. He had a two goal night. Um, I think he had a couple assists as well. You know, he he just he found his scoring touch a little. Let me just and, ask you before you jump into this. Do you think? I already have my answer to this, but do you think that we're highlighting him because Petrie played so bad? Or is it that Weber played very well? I, th- I think it's maybe a split. Of maybe 60% Petrie played poorly, 40% Weber so played well. So I find well. we compare them a lot, which it's is easy natural. Because yeah, there are two and best teams. And, but... and they're, two, they're the only two right-hand D on the team. Yeah. And they're also very different defensemen. That's yeah. the thing. But so maybe a little bit, but I I do think though that he he looked good. Yeah, me too. Against these teams, I mean, he thrives against the um, you know, like actually playing with the Ottawa's and the Winnipeg's because they're big physical teams. Yeah. And that's where he likes to play. He likes the grittiness of it. I mean, look against Ottawa, he was firing on all cylinders. Yeah. Um, he was taking a few shots against Winnipeg, but I just think like he, okay, I first of all I think he handled the Claude Julian situation very well we didn't see any you know uh, media slips or anything like that he just he varies he, i mean he's he's very diplomatic that's always how he's been mm-hmm. but i i just think in general it was he just had a good week 
yeah, you know, I think, I, yeah, I do think it's a bit of a casualty of like, look, we're picking a starting five, so you have to pick two of six defensemen. Yeah. But again, I think he was our, uh, you know, when we were making the list, he was, we both had him first. Yeah. Which means like, even the things we're forgetting to mention, he just played well. Yeah, I, I think, um, you know, even in vacuum, this was one of Shea Weber's best weeks. Like, you know, early on in the season, um, you know, he was really standing out. Again, it's kind of difficult to... Uh, to tell if uh, it was because of you know how how uh, well Petrie was playing, <laughs> um, but um, you know it was hard to tell if it was uh, you know Petrie making him look bad or if Weber was actually just struggling early on the season. But clearly, um, you know those first ten-ish games, it looked like they're having a bit of defensive issues with Sherratt there, uh, not because of Sherratt, but I just mean Sherratt and Weber. Um, yeah. While Edmondson and Petrie were kind of just taking off to the moon, but. You know this seat this this week specifically Weber looked rock solid on D and like you know I'd add in Sherratt there just because you know as a pair they they really complement yeah, the each only other reason really I well. didn't is because of his penalties He's yeah his penalties wildly killed us. yeah his his penalties killed us but there is a silver lining to that and like I bring it up a lot but I really enjoy to see when guys are pissed off because like we're pissed off as fans and Sherratt's a guy that like you can clearly tell has basically had enough of this yeah and um you know He's really showing it, but you know, way too many penalties and you know, penalties late in the game where we can't afford it. But yeah, Weber's, you know, again, had a great week, really good defensively. He looked solid. Um, you know, he threw the puck out of bounds again a couple times. Yeah, I, I mean but, I'll give it to him on this one. It wasn't like shooting it out. He was swatting it away. Yeah, he and he kicked, just like yeah. knocked he, like, it out. Baseball of the park. But like again, I, I yeah. But he, uh, yeah, it looked like he he's really found his game defensively. Like, yeah. and you know, he's not as um, you know, his feet don't look like they're stuck in concrete yeah, as he's much. He's moving a little. He's moving, yeah. Like, I saw him jump like, up into the play once or twice. I yeah. was like, who is that? Yeah, I know. Like, it looks like his ankles like a little bit more mobile now. Maybe mm-hmm. the scar tissue's gone down a bit. But yeah, let's jump into the second defenseman. Yeah, it's gonna be Edmondson. Um, I mean, again, by process, it's not just by process of elimination, but he's the only guy who's kind of just like a like a pillar Super on the consistent. team just like so you know exactly what you're gonna get i like his size i like his his physicality and i like his puck moving ability like we said he's dealing with jeff petrie who's literally turning the puck over the most in the league yeah. and he's covering for him so i mean it's you know we we're losing so i mean it's it's not a good sign but i mean he is covering in terms of i noticed like he's still he clears, number one plus minus exactly he's the highest plus minus he clears the net very well which yeah. like counteracts the like petrie not doing it as i much. can't stand if petrie doesn't clear the net it, I, I yeah don't get it. It, it bothers me because he'd be good at it and he, he that being said like petrie defends his guys yeah. like petrie will defend oh, the guys soft. like if someone like ever like touched price he would jump in immediately but i find he doesn't clear away the rebounds like it drives me That's nuts it. like he just kind of and like stands tr- the there. opposite on that spectrum Sherratt. like Sherratt yeah. will literally cross check a guy who's in with like three like inches of price yeah which like you know? I'll, i i love that <laughs> yeah I, I love it and you know it i'm sure price loves it too but you know but yes. it's um it, it's definitely a it's a match made in heaven that edmondson yeah. and petrie they really really complement each other and they're similar enough in certain ways that it, yeah it, they kind of fit like a puzzle piece like yeah they're, where they're he's basically lacking, the other yeah isn't. they're the same they're the same stature just completely different play style yeah like, it's, it's just offensively versus defensively minded yeah and they're the like if you play. look at their if you look at their you know their height and weight they're basically the same guy yeah you know exactly I mean? it's, it's exactly what you want they just shoot opposite hands <laughs> yeah um so yeah so our starting lineup just to summarize would be tatar suzuki and armia with Edmonton yeah. and Weber. To reiterate, don't make this line. Yeah, don't make okay. this a line. This, this is, is a fluke this is just that like everyone's a, in a position. Yeah, this is just a power ranking of like our best line. Yeah, like a, it's exactly. a, the yeah. line being the three four. It could have you know it, it's not positional. It could have been literally. It could have been Deno, Suzuki, and Evans. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, it's not really a positional thing, but you yeah. know, we just didn't want to highlight half the team when. You know, it was hard enough finding three yeah. guys to put when on it's here. good and when it's bad. I find it wasn't very. Yeah, fair. even even yeah, even early on, it's it's very rare. Like in a week, if we had two games that we could highlight yeah. six players, I mean, it's even more than that. It is nine. Yeah. yeah. So um, right before us, we have two little things we want to do right at the end. Um, first, I haven't heard a word about Josh Anderson. So that's the only real current event I wanted to talk about because we're gonna do a Claude Julian podcast anyway. Um. What's what's going on? Have you heard yeah, anything? No, I've I just heard, heard his lower body. I just heard his lower body and day to day. I think he kind of bent his knee a little bit. Let's mm-hmm. pray to God it's not a meniscus or MCL thing, yeah, because uh, that'll put him out for months. But 
Um, you know, it, it's very mysterious, and I think it's kind of strategic from the Habs because, you know, they know how disappointed everyone is. And, you know, specifically Bergevin, you know, a lot of people knew all the trepidation in that contract was basically due to the fact that we knew how injury-prone he was. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's a, it's a big contract. Not a lot per year, but very long. And, uh, you know, a lot of people were skeptical about his injury status, and I think, um, you know, it was, it's scaring people right now, and I think they kind of want to keep it under under yeah, wraps a little bit but it, it scares yeah. me how he's not skating either no i know although the, like i like what we were talking about uh off air too we were saying like maybe what they're doing is just saying you know what you've got a few days you won't play we'll make you a scratch and just like chill let it go maybe it was just like bad bruising or something yeah, that's I, not like that's, worth i hope cause... aggravating you know that would really, really that would take a big hit. Yeah, throw a wrench into our lines there. Well, like I don't it. know what I'd do at that point. Like, well, basically the lines from the other night, and that's all you really can do. Yeah, it's, uh... but uh, yeah, I think the the last thing we have to go over is we have our second giveaway. We have the winner. Yep. So uh, congratulations to Malou Bordeaux. Um, we're gonna be getting in contact with you. Basically, we'll have already contacted you actually by the time this is posted. Um, you know, we want to say thank you to everyone again who participated and it won't be the last one for sure. We've got a yep. few lined up. We got one coming out next week again, uh, taking a little break this week. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, we'll look out for next week and, um, you know, our previous winner too, it's been sent out. Yeah. Um, so hopefully you get that soon and yeah, just keep uh, looking on our Instagram page cause we're going to have them kind of hopefully every week or two. Yeah. Hopefully as, as yeah. much as we basically we can. Yeah. But yeah, so um, again, congratulations, and I think that about wraps it up. We're going to be recording uh, the Claude Julien one probably, I, I would say, as early as tomorrow. Yeah, probably tomorrow. So it'll be up one of the days in between Habs games, and other than that... Next game's Tuesday, right? Next game is Tuesday, All yes. right, so yeah, let's all uh, you know, take a deep breath for this week. Yeah. Um, you know, we all know how big of a week this is. Hopefully they know too. Um, you know, this, this week could seal our fate. You yeah. know, I'm not trying to be dramatic here, but you know, if we have a losing record against Ottawa, like that, you know, is both symbolically bad and <laughs> like in terms of points, just not, uh, yeah, it just shows where the team's at mentally and physically yeah. and on the scoreboard. So, yeah. so yeah. we'll, uh, we'll catch you guys on the next one. Thank you for listening to the Habs Puck Drop podcast. You can email us your thoughts, questions, and suggestions through our email at habspuckdrop at gmail.com or direct message us on Instagram at habspuckdrop. We'll see you next time.